Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Nets world? We're back here on the Believe in Nets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. Here for a Black Friday edition of Believe in Nets coming off Thanksgiving. The Nets coming off another heartbreaking loss Wednesday, 147 to 145 to the Atlanta Hawks. Going to run through a little bit of that before I'm going to be joined by Tim Capstraw, very special guest today, lead radio analyst for the Nets broadcast and was on the call for Yes against Atlanta. Has some really great insights, so excited for that, but just you know, touching on this game briefly, the Nets went down 147-145 to a Hawks team on the back end of a back-to-back. And if you're looking for themes from this one, I think it really brought the Nets' defensive struggles and their disappointments on that end early this year to the forefront. Gave up 77 first-half points. Really had no answer for Trey Young early on, who was 6-for-6 six six from three in the first quarter. Cooled off, but then again closed them late. The Nets had several opportunities to get a stop to win this game. They couldn't do it. They gave up 22 offensive rebounds in this game, so an area that has been a strength was really neutralized. And then again, their lack of ball handling turned the ball over 15 times, which has also contributed to their struggles on the defensive end. But Mikhail Bridges, if you're looking for a positive, dropped 45 points, 16 of 31 from the field, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, getting back there, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, was really doing it all. And this came after Mikhail was on Bleacher Report on an interview with Taylor Rooks earlier in the day and said, you know, I've heard Nets fans on my case. I recognize it. I recognize I'm not playing at the level I'm at. I understand that it's out of love and that they want me to get to a level where they know I'm capable of. And then comes off that, drops 45 points and nearly wills the Nets to victory. Hit a lot of big shots down the stretch of the game. Really showed a different level of assertiveness from what we've seen prior. So was really great to see. Did not result in a win. Nets have now lost three straight against three formidable opponents with the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday. Nets on a three-game skid. They're down to six and eight on the season after they had just pushed above 500 for the first time this year with a win over Orlando last week. But some of these defensive struggles really holding them back. Going to get into that. Mikhail Bridges' breakout performance, some overarching themes from this new look squad early in the year when I'm joined by the capper, Tim Capstraw, after the theme music. I'm joined now by Tim Capstraw, lead analyst for the Nets radio broadcast and more recently, the S Network TV broadcast. How are you, Tim? Appreciate you for joining me. I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing? I'm great, man. How did your Thanksgiving go? It went uh, different. Um, my wife got sick. She got COVID oh, right before. We had 25 people scheduled to come over. Mm. And the day before, two days before, she had to cancel everybody. And my daughter, daughter has, uh, she plays basketball up at Yale. And the teammates were coming down and all this other stuff. So we had a chaotic. We had one of those where... Um, you know, we only had four people, you know, went from 25 to four and we have this incredibly long, uh, dining room table and, but we did let her sit on the other end, you know, it looks like, yeah. um, looks like Downton Abbey. I don't know if you know that show, yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. you know, I ever see, ever see those long, like, mm-hmm. like, like Putin, Putin having dinner. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see pictures of Putin having yeah, dinner? Yeah. Like it's somebody thousands of miles on the other side of the table. So it was a little bit different, but it, um, it was okay, but you know how it is when you yeah. when you get a little sick, you don't want to get other people sick, you know. I got you, and you know, I, speaking of Thanksgiving, you know, you're you're on the 
Yes Network broadcast. I hear a little back and forth. You're trying to go shot for shot with Iron Eagle on there. You guys did a great job. It looks like you might have been punching above your weight a little bit there. Yeah, no, you don't you don't compete with humor with Iron Eagle. I, yeah. I I don't know. And and you know something I was I wasn't even shocked he was doing that. You know, I wasn't it didn't even shock me. It certainly I'm like, here he goes. I, I it doesn't shock you and he's really funny. And you're trying to hang in there. And it only I only became funny when I admitted that I couldn't hang with him. You know what I mean? You just gotta know that you you gotta know you get a man's gotta know his limitations and trying to compete with humor with Iron Eagle. Man, not easy, but uh, if if it helped entertain, uh, you're never surprised by him. He's the world's greatest man, and he's and, and nothing better than him on a yes broadcast because um, not afraid to let loose, you know. And mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was a great show. Yeah, well, I got to give you credit at least for this. You know, I mean, you guys are going back and forth with the Thanksgiving pun. I think he he threw out know your role, and I think you at least came back with rolls. Rolls, I said rolls. Then I had another. That uh, he went. I was a second chance. I said he went for seconds. You know, yeah, I'm trying. Go. I'm trying. Eh? I am. I'm trying to hang with you. Hey, no, well, I had, I think... Then I was like, I was gonna, you know, set the table. I was yeah. uh, slicing and dicing. I didn't know, but I'm trying. I'm in my brain saying, "What else is there? What else is there?" But hey, well, uh, you know, I got to worry about the game too. Well, he he's you know, he's come he's on. The best. His, his comfort hey. level was ridiculous you can imagine even for an old guy like me i mean i don't do tv that often so i was i was i was a little nervous too you know i was into it but i and i'm ready to go but i it's not my comfort zone so i i do you know i was a little bit nervous so i'm concentrating on this and that and you know everything i mean i put put on makeup before the game there was there was a lot going on there you know i didn't know well, you know, I don't think I don't think people would believe that you were nervous based on how you sound. You did a great job and really special to have you on the pod right now because, you know, you had a lot of great analysis in that game and just getting into some of the basketball side of things. Obviously, last year, this is a, a new look Nets team that gets thrown together at the deadline. Kind of tough, tough to make assessments with the group, you know, just coming together. But then you get a full offseason training camp. Sean Marks is able to make some moves around the margin. Just, you know, obviously some early injury struggles, but just your general impressions of this year's net squad through 14 games. Well, I mean, uh, you know, certainly probably tailed off like everybody else the last few games. Right. I mean, I was so excited and and thrilled about what was going on and because uh, the group was so likable. You love the way they played. Uh, the The ball was popping for a big man. They were playing fast. The ball was moving. Uh, guys were shooting the three with great confidence, but it was because of extra passes. Uh, it it was a joy to watch. They they, they were moving it and shooting it, and, and it was it was real. And guys looked like they had taken taken their game to another level. Certain play, certain role players were getting better. So it was. Um, I, I felt that way, and and I'm like everybody else, you know. And then you go and and, and you have games against. You know the Miamis and the Sixers and the Hawks, and you, now you don't feel as good. But you you know that you gotta you know you gotta regroup, and that's kind of the nature of the NBA. But this is a likable group that works incredibly hard with high character guys, and you th- you hope that 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 takes them a long way. Now, if injuries slowed them down, yes, definitely. Uh, the the way that um, Cam Thomas was playing was was fantastic. Uh, ben Simmons made a difference with the way he got the ball up the floor, all, all those things. But I still think there's enough. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's enough out there. And I, and I like uh, things I'm seeing. I like this group and I'm enjoying it. 
But I'm again, I'm like everybody else. You lose three in a row. You're like, come on, let's go. And then you got Miami coming to town. You know, they're going to be ready. And uh, so uh, I'm enjoying it. I like the job, love the coach, like the way, you know, I like the way they play on offense. I'm just like everybody else. I'd like to see him get more stops on the defensive side. Perfect segue. You know, we're talking about those last three games and obviously three tough opponents, but this is a Nets team that a lot of people expected to have a defensive identity with a lot of plus defenders on this roster heading into the season over these last th three games, obviously some formidable opponents, but allowing 130 points per game over the last three, they're 23rd in defensive rating for the whole season. And those struggles were pretty glaring and you were quick to point them out against Atlanta, 77 first half points in that game, had several chances to get a stop to win the game and couldn't. Just what did you see on the defensive end of the floor that really stood out to you in regard to the net struggles in that one? Well, uh, I thought that, well, certainly the way they started the game, you can't give up 45 points in the first quarter and expect to win the game, you know, or you just got to play uphill the rest of the way. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think these guys are plus defenders, but I also think that their roles have adjusted significantly from when they were considered plus defenders. I, I know that that has been spoken about a little bit. And I, I was with the great Chris Carino the other day after, after the game, and he was talking about the same thing, like, okay, you're, you're a defensive star on another team, but if the team is, if they're not looking for you to do offense that much offense, then well, you can really focus on that side of the floor. Um, so I think that is taken away from a, a few of the guys, but I just think in general, I think the group is capable of more uh, on the defensive side. You even saw it in the game, uh, on Wednesday, you saw that the mentality that came out within the second half, right? They were, uh, into the ball more. They're aggressive. They had better activity defensively. They got some deflection steals. They were able to get some stops for a long stretch of time. That was significantly different than the beginning of the game. That's the mentality they've got to have for 48 minutes. I, I think they're capable uh, of better, better, more aggressive defense, uh, into the ball more, uh, smarter on smarter as far as, you know, different skiing you know just being sharper recovering but you know what i did yesterday eric i i looked at i i'm looking through nba stats you know what's it's almost like the game is it the offensive side of the floor in the nba is ridiculous right now guys aren't missing shots when they're open mm -hmm. nobody's bailing you out yeah. the amount of guys that shoot remember when 40 percent from three was a huge mark Mm -hmm. Oh man, he shoots 40 from three. I went through page one of NBA stats with the amount of guys, which is what, like 40 guys. Okay. They're all above 40, uh, way above 40 page two. I'm into page three, which is about 80, 90, hundred guys that shoot 40 plus right now. Now, some of it, small sample, different guys, but teams are shooting 39%, 38%. And that's including guys that don't shoot it particularly well. So, and here's the other part. This is the one that really messes you up defensively. They're shooting it from five feet behind the arc, everybody. The space of the shot shooting is not at the three-point line right now. It's five feet behind it. So that is putting an, uh, an immense amount of pressure on defenses. And you, but. I still think the Nets can do a better job. You know what I mean? Like I, I want, I know it's hard, but it's got to be better and better than it's been the last few games. And you, you talk about 
the the range being moved back. And that's something we obviously saw in the first quarter and on some of the biggest possessions of the game on Wednesday with Trey Young. Also, the Nets play Tyrese Maxey in Philly. So I think that, you know, you talk about the injuries and Nets have two guys in Ben Simmons and then a lower profile guy in Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, that was big. Point, point of attack defenders who maybe, you know, the Nets have a guy like Mikhail Bridges. You also talk about roles being changed and, you know, he's he's flip-flopping kind of from being able to be a secondary guy offensively and really focus his energies on the defensive end to a game like, you know, Wednesday where he's scoring 45 points and you can't ask him to do that offensively and then pick up Trey Young six feet behind the arc, you know, on offense. So yeah, well, Finney Smith was guarding him down to stretch of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, but but it's almost hard to say, well, who's guarding who with the Nets because they switch, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're switching all the time. They switch very easily right they're gonna they they don't stay and so you know you know and Claxton would end up with him but Claxton can guard him pretty good it was more that part of it Trey Young going off late listen I think you know maybe you say well maybe get the ball out of his hands more you know right just go but then that's dangerous too because other guys shoot shoot a ball Trey Young coming into well now the game before had a good one. Indiana made shots right yeah. the night before, so they scored. They scored like three hundred points right in the yeah. last two games. He been he been cold prior to that. Cold, yeah. like twenty eight percent from three. Cold, yeah. Um, thirty four percent or whatever mid thirties overall. Mm-hmm. He was hurting people more with his passing ability than he was with his shooting. But you weren't surprised either, right? He's just one of those guys that drives you nuts. So. You know, I don't know. I just think it can be better, you know, but that's why, and you can't down the stretch of that game, tell Bridges to guard Trey Young and then go to him every time on offense. And man, I thought that was a huge storyline of the game, watching him, watching him get it done down the stretch. It was impressive. Also, We'll get into Bridges, but you know, you're talking about the three point line. You're talking about going through the list of all those guys that, you know, shoot above 40 from three. It's almost like you got my notes pulled up for you and you're reading my mind because you know, over these last three games with the Nets, I said they're letting up 130 points a game defensively. Opponents are averaging 43 point t- attempts against them. That's the fifth most in the NBA. They're making 16 of those per game. That's the second most in the NBA. And I heard you give a line on the broadcast. You said over help is a silent killer of defenses. So when you're talking about the Nets in these last three games, their inability to defend the three point line, is it as simple as that? Or do you think there's a larger issue of they're struggling a little bit at the point of attack. It's creating some drive and kick opportunities. They're turning the ball over. That's leading to transition opportunities. Just what are you seeing in that regard? It's everything. It's everything. Yes, I I, I think there was a – and then there was a good uh, – I think they broke down showing everybody in the paint, right, I, after that overhelp statement that I made. And I think that that's a big part. That can happen a lot. That can happen a lot. And in the NBA, it, it you – Used to be able to help you'd help it. They'd say elbows in boxes. And so everybody'd guard the ball. And then the all four other four guys would be on the elbows or the boxes. You can't do that anymore. So you've got to be really good on the ball. You've got to you've made a great point. Dennis Smith Jr. would have helped. But you've got to be really good on the ball. You've got to be you gotta be really good in your schemes. You've got to be able to recover. It begins on the ball, though, and, and oftentimes on possessions, we tend to look at the last part of it. But you have to go to the initial part of the first guy that was beaten 
And that's why you hear those coaches say, well, we got to make those dominoes fall and we got to get an advantage and keep an advantage. These are all the, you know, basketball terms you hear and, and that, but that advantage, where did that get created? And that's what you've got to improve on. It is hard in the NBA right now. It is hard. That's why. That is why. And, and it's good. You got me early in the morning. I, I coffee. I get all fired up. The, um, that is why the turnovers and steals matter because not only are you getting a steal, but you're taking away a possession, one more possession that could be a 40% three point shot opportunity. That's why your on ball defense can not only be, it has to be aggressive. Like I think the nets gotta, gotta make people feel them more, even though they're not big, strong people, they've gotta be more into the ball, more aggressive, more F. And then, I mean, what will you get beat off to dribble? I'm sure. It would the help be a little bit late if you don't help over help? I'm sure. But I just think an overall activity you saw in the second half compared to the first is what they've got to bring every minute of every game. Well, you see with a guy like Trey Young last night, you know, obviously he's a difficult cover at the point of attack, but you're not up in his face as much. And he goes, what was he, six for seven from three in the first quarter or five for six? You let him gain that rhythm, and then he's comfortable down the stretch of the game. So the Nets are, you know, that's like why I bring up a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., and a lot of people will, you know, talk about his offense, and he's a non-shooter, and there's a difficult fit there. But that's why I think that he said, you know, the Nets told him that he was a priority in free agency. They have a lot of defenders. But they have a lot of defenders in kind of that 6'4 to 6'8 range. They don't right. have as many of those guards at the point of attack who are really going to get into somebody, be able to navigate screens, be able to get into guys' chests on isolation possessions. So that's a big difference. And then we're talking about steals, and you're talking about, you know, the Nets, you know, steals on the Nets' lack of steals. But then you talk about the other end, them offensively. They're obviously missing two of their top offensive initiators with Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas sideline. There's a fairly significant ball handling deficit because of that. And over these last three games, I, you know, the stats I have, the Nets are averaging 15 turnovers per game, seventh most in the NBA. That's led them to allowing 19 points off turnovers per game, which I think is the eighth most in the NBA and 19 fast break points per game, most in the NBA. So you talk about these defensive struggles and it's like these these two ends of the floor are length. So there's all these ways that, you know, you're turning the ball over, fast break points, three-point opportunities. A guy like Mikhail Bridges has to do more off, offensively. That's taking away probably your top defender and top point of attack defender. So, you know, is this something where you feel like the Nets get back two of their, you know, top offensive guys in Simmons and Thomas and the defensive end of the floor, these struggles might be a little bit more accentuated by that than some people realize? No, I don't know. I just think overall they're they can be better. I think Jock thinks they can be better. I think they can be more active, aggressive, force the action. Uh, I, I I don't think I don't think it's a. I, I think it's just an overall personnel thing. They can just do. They can just get after it more. Get after it. Get into people. Make them feel you. Have active hands. Rip the ball. Go for it. And uh, you know that. Uh, and and be. Be, don't be conservative, intense defenders. Be aggressive, intensive uh, uh, defenders. You know, that old Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. Go after it a little bit, man. Get into people. Be alive. And uh, really understand that that's the side of the floor that's going to really make the difference, uh, uh, you know, for this group. And because you can't, uh, I just, you know, let's just see how it all goes. I, I think they're learning that. But to beat 
in a, uh, the uh, top tier teams, they've got to prove that they can be a better defensive team than what what the other team is. And, and I think I don't know that you can create great one on one players everywhere and great posts. And, although they have adequate, their offense has been good. But I think they can go to another level defensively. And I think when they get that's the one you gotta get to. You gotta be you gotta be get in the top 15 soon and maybe get in the top 10 in, in defensive rating and, and and whatever schemes you're doing or whatever it, it, it's just really important because we thought like, okay, they could defend, but they couldn't rebound. So that was the problem. But you know, they've rebounded pretty good now. The other night was uh, an offensive rebound fest for both teams, but overall it's been very good. Uh, you know, they've been able to play some drop defense. That has been, that has been a little bit of an adjustment to try and occasionally sprinkling in some zone to see if that can help. This could do everything better, better and, and more in, in really like, like they're down, tw- down 10, you got to play defense from the get go. And uh, Dennis Smith jr. I'd be more, I do think is impactful because when you have your point guard out there and he's digging in, it kind of feeds off everybody else. He can help. Now Bridges was that guy for team USA this summer, right? He -hmm. guarded point and he can, he can, but it's, you know, he's, he'll probably be, he's the first I even heard him say, I've got to be better and get after people even more on the defensive side, but you can understand it's not easy when you're asked to do a lot everywhere. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, getting into people, being more active, and then you brought up the rebounding struggle. So it seems like there's a little bit of a push and pull where the Nets, you know, they were 29th in defensive rebounding percentage last season, so they go to more drop coverage. They've been doing that a lot. They were switching down the stretch against Atlanta, but primarily have been playing drop coverage. Their rebounding, other than that Atlanta game, has improved a lot. I think they're the third best team in the league defensive rebounding-wise. But then, you know, you're sacrificing a little bit of that aggression and disruption of getting a guy like Nick Claxton on the perimeter. So, you know, in your opinion, is it just you kind of have to balance those things and throughout the flow of the game, you kind of have to know, you know, when we're going to be in drop coverage, when we're going to try to disrupt things, or is it just you can still play that coverage and have guys working harder over the top of screens and just getting into people, into ball handlers more. So is it more of an effort-based or more of a schematic thing where they can make adjustments? I wouldn't say effort. I just think an, an approach. I don't I don't question anybody's effort. I just think that guys know that, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't want to get beat. I, I don't want to get beat. So I'm, I'm playing a little bit conservative. No, you just want guys to get after it, whatever the coverage. But I, I think the Nets have learned to play uh, they've been a little bit uh, less predictable defensively because they used to just switch last year. They went to that. Then now they're mixing it up. So I think that that part of it is good. I also think transition defense is enormous, right? How do you, there were there were too many? I thought there were opportunities. Uh, the transition wasn't at the level that it could have been the other day. Because here's the other part. Used to be years ago, probably when you were playing hoop. Remember when the guards were back and they sprinted back to the paint? Mm-hmm. Okay, get back to the paint. Yeah, right. And then the bigs would come back and they kick the guards out. Right. So then everybody picks up guards back first. But nowadays there's some like the mentality you've got to have is, yes, I'm back. I'm protecting. But you have to identify those shooters so fast that where they I remember a possession transition possession the other day where Bogdanovich was just left all wide open in the first quarter. 
and it led uh, Jock Vaughn to call timeout. You, you, you know, it's hard. You know, like again, it's hard uh, to get back. Get, and sometimes you have to take. It, it begins with your offense. You have to take expected shots, right? So you know exactly when to get back. So sometimes you get faked out, or a point guard guard gets caught underneath. Guys don't rotate back. You got it. These teams fly up the floor like the Hawks do, and uh, they, they shot it. So it's it's everything. It's everything. That's why you say, well, if they did this, well, everything would be better. Now everything can be. It's got to be better. You've been around the block basketball wise. I don't even know how many people know. Go back to your coaching days. Did you did you ever think you would see a time where? in the NBA, this many two on one or three on one opportunities would turn into three point shots instead of layups. No, that never crossed my mind. That never <laughs> crossed my mind. And the analytics of the game have uh, changed everything. I don't necessarily, that's a, I would argue that one all the time. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That there, there are two on ones, three on ones. I, I, because I do think that the still the best shot in basketball is the, the, the power move at the basket and go to the three, the old school three point play is, is the most, it's still the best play you can get as far as, you know, getting you know, the highest people forget, well, the best percentage shot you get in basketball is a free throw. You know what I mean? That's why I'm still surprised people don't mix in posting up even more, you know? And I do think, well, you'll see Miami at tomorrow night, right? You see them. Jimmy Butler will back down. So you do a different style of posting up now, right? Mm -hmm. You'd kind of known as a Barkley, you know, Barkley used to dribble you into the post and be physical with his backside. Then J Jimmy Butler does a lot of that and, and, and they'll mix in some posting, but no, I never thought I'd see that, but the game keeps evolving. Uh, and the, the studying of it, the analytics of it is fascinating. I, and as much as you think, you know, you don't know, you know, you're not close to a coach. You're not close. You know what I mean? Like you think you know everything, but the coaches really, really know, uh, really know the, the details of everything at an incredibly high level. Well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that old. I'm, on, I'm only 25, but you know, as a guy who's well, grew up a Nets fan, I've gone back and watched some of the 0203 finals games and just was curious of watching the style of play. And it's like, you do talk about guys like Trey Young and what we saw in that last game, who are legitimately need to be guarded five, six, you know, feet behind the three ten, point line. ten feet. Yeah. yeah. And you go back to those, those games in the finals in Jersey and it's like, everything was played inside out and the defenders were almost like you said, like seeping down more towards the paint. Maybe that's because you had guys like Shaq and Tim Duncan down there, but still it's just like the, the way the game has evolved and the defensive nature of the game or the offensive nature of the game, what you have to do defensively, it's like the defensive skill that you need to be able to guard these guys who not only can shoot five feet behind the three-point line, but have a handle like Trey Young or like a DeJounte Murray or a Tyrese Maxey and try to stick with those guys. I mean, that's why, you know, defenders like Mikhail Bridges, like it, it's it's really at a premium. And, you know, just talking about Bridges, it probably shouldn't have taken us this long to get to him after what he did. 45 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. 16 of 31 from the field, finally really got to the free throw line, 11 of 12, just, you know, Bridges had struggled, you know, relatively a little bit up to that point. His three-point shot hadn't been falling, but it really felt like there was another level of assertiveness and another level of, you know, give me the ball. I'm going to create the shot, create the opportunity here, especially down the stretch of this game. Just talk a little bit about what you've seen from it early this year and then what was different in that game. 
Yeah, no, that was impressive. That was impressive. And um, listen, I, I was like everybody else. I thought that that's what you've been maybe waiting for. And and I, I think it, you know, uh, he, he really t- took took over and, and made all the plays. And it, he has a couple moves that you, you almost think it's always going in, right? Like mm-hmm. that's great players got a things they can go to that if they can, if he starts going to his left, and he elevates right off two feet and fades just a little bit and stretches those arms out. I think it's going in. You know what I mean? I think it's going in every time. So if it, when he gets there, uh, listen, I, I I just thought he was he was terrific. I thought he was assertive. I thought he wanted the ball. I you know and, and listen, he he almost brought him and that's all the way back. In fact, he did it on the offensive end. Now a couple plays down the stretch, a Kongwu's block was a big block. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, maybe there was another play where he didn't convert, but aside from that, you know, you, you were, you were a stop or two away from winning the game. He, he was getting it done when you needed to get it done offensively. As far as the season goes, I saw him, um, there was an interview and he, and he said, uh, I'm sure this is why Nets fans really think they got something special. He goes, listen, I agree with the Nets fans. I, I agree. I, I, I'm probably not, I'm not, I haven't given it what I can do. I, I got to go to another level or something like that. Like he, yeah. how many guys agree with the fans and then say, uh, you know, I, they're right. I, I got to, I, I got another level I can go to and then go do it. And um, I think as a fan, you're like, wow man, this guy was listening to me Hmm. and it mattered to him. That's why you think you got a special base or foundation with this net group, not just him. There's other guys, but he's a very, very good player and a great person. And that's why the foundation is, is is very solid right now, regardless of how you're going to say up and down, they lost three in a row. They did this. The overall picture this year is is incredibly solid, and a big uh, big reason why is him. That interview was with Taylor Rooks and Mikhail. Yes, Bruce. Taylor exactly. Rooks and Bleacher Report. Yeah, I, I posted that clip actually because I thought it was a great clip. Before that, just the you know accountability, yeah. and even through you know I I'm active on Twitter in the community, and people there aren't always the most reasonable or calm. So there are people who are saying things to him that as is the case with a lot of athletes nowadays, sadly, that you shouldn't say. And for him to be able to say, yeah, you know, some of them are dumb, but a lot of them are just saying, Mikhail, you know, pretty much we know that you can go to a higher level. We expect more of you. And for him to acknowledge that and then come out and put 45 up is it's, it's really impressive. And there's just, there were things throughout that interview. I watched the entire interview. He was talking about his days in Phoenix and how, he had a game where he said something about DeAndre Ayton, about, you know, he was having a poor effort game. It got picked up by the broadcast. And he was so upset about that, that he went in right after the lot, right into the locker room after the game and addressed it in front of the whole team and apologized and, you know, told DeAndre, you know, how, how much their friendship means to him and how much, how highly he thinks of him as a player and how it was never brought up after that. And it's just things like that, where it seems like Mikhail is a guy where, everybody in the locker room can kind of galvanize around him. And some guys, you know, might do stuff like that. And it seems like it's BS, but it just seems like everything he does comes off as so genuine. So to have a guy like yeah. that leading the locker room, I think that's why you saw after the trade, people were thinking, could the Nets flip him? His value so high. It seems like they really feel like they have a good one with him. Not, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything about him. And it's not nothing phony about him either. You know, and he's not like, he's one of these guys that, you know, playing to the media and all that. He's a regular guy too. He, he has a fun and all that. People just, 
Uh, yeah, he's terrific. You know, great. I thought a storyline of the other night, which was helpful, was Cam Johnson coming on. You know what I mean? I thought him, he looked like Cam Johnson more than we had seen him uh, up to that. And you can understandably, right? I mean, yeah, guy's out yeah. with a calf injury for a period of time. He's coming back in, really didn't have a preseason. And I, I thought he looked like that. Uh, like the kind of guy that you know he can be uh, the other, other night also. Would have been cramped up late uh, late in the game, right? Would have been nice to have him out there. You never know what that that could have provided. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of different moving pieces with all the injuries. The Nets have some new faces. Their depth, you know, is I think has been really come to the forefront, been impressive. Has there been something that has been, you know, just a biggest surprise from you early on that maybe you weren't expecting or something that caught you a little off guard about this team, whether it's as a whole or just a player in particular? You know, you know, uh, I'm happy for his Dayron Sharp. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think he's really, uh, uh, wasn't sure if he was going to be a contributor. I think he's an energizer. He's a hustler, better defensively. You see what type of condition he's in now. Uh, you know, I think he's a good player. I think he really has made a difference in a number of games the way he has played. So he he stands out to me, and I didn't expect it necessarily. So that's why you're asking me that question. All right, who's who's surprised me? I um, and I just think overall I was pleasantly surprised by the group. I mean, Cam Thomas was I I know he got forty points. I liked the way he was tr- working on defense and trying yeah. to be. I, I think he wants to be a pro, man. He wants to be a pro's pro. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, he's a shot. He's a, you know, gets buckets and all that stuff. Right. And he's kind of that guy. I thought he was, a, he was trying to be a complete all around basketball player. So I thought that was a great sign. There were some, there's some good signs with this group uh, along the way, but you know, when you start getting beat up and injuries and if it's a little bit more, it, it, it's all, nobody cares in the NBA. You just go on to the next game and, you, you've got to be able to, you got to be able to be there and be tough. And uh, I think that's the way the Nets feel right now. They're disappointed. That game, um, the Hawk game was disappointing because you knew they needed the game too. They had lost three in a row and mm-hmm. it just kind of was a wild, wild game. And it's just a little frustrating not getting it. And you were speaking before about Mikhail and, you know, what he brings to the team and the Nets have something with this group just in terms of a mentality. And I was talking a little bit about the job Sean Marks has done, bringing guys on the minimum, adding around the margins like Lonnie Walker. Who's oh, like- I don't know why I didn't say that. I can't believe I didn't well, say that. Wow. Lonnie Walker, he's gotten a lot of shine. So I was glad that you gave Dayron a little bit of love because, you know, Dayron yeah, I don't, I don't know what. Job. Yeah, no, I'm with, I, 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 I you know, it's, it's, it's early. I had my coffee, but at the same <laughs> time, oh, yeah, Lonnie, go on. You talked about Lonnie Walker now, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've spoken about Lonnie, it seems like every episode now, but just what he was able to do, this minute got cuts a little bit in that Atlanta game because I think the Nets were looking for a little bit more of a defensive punch, obviously, after giving up 77 points. But just the scoring he's been able to bring, the confidence, you know, the tough shot making, to be able to handle the ball a little bit in Thomas and uh, Simmons's absence. You know, I'm just talking about the minimum signings. A guy like Trenton Watford, who yeah. I was surprised Portland let him go, you know, 23 years old, can handle the ball, can score in the mid-range, can he's been shooting decent from three, can do all those things. Another guy like Dennis Smith Jr., just building up that depth on the minimum. And it seems like the Nets have a team that, you know, collectively, one through 15, they have a chip on their shoulder, something to prove. They have guys who are all playing for incentives, whether that's contracts or accolades they haven't gotten. So just what do you see the identity of this team being moving forward? Well, first of all, I, I want to address the fact that I, I, I'm 
being an ex-college guy, you know, and when you're poor, a lower level college guy, right? I was at Siena. I was at Wagner. The key to being really good at these schools was could you out-evaluate everybody else? You know what I mean? Could you find the players that other people weren't necessarily thinking were going to be good or develop or there were hidden gems? That is blowing me away with the Nets organization since Sean Marks has taken over. Their evaluation of players in the 20s, they're, they're drafting players in the 20s. Their evaluation of hidden gems on other teams has been outstanding. Now you say, well, it didn't work with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Who wouldn't have done that? Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to try to do. You know what I mean? So I love when they're in this position because this is what I think they're fantastic at. And I think this is where you can, an organization can make so many jumps, right? Whoever found out where Jokic was in the second round, right? Whoever evaluated that guy, you know, but the Nets are really good at that. I'm really impressed once again at their ability. And that gives me great belief in what they are doing, where they are going. They played incredibly well for the first 10 games of the year. So you get a little bit, maybe a little too excited because you want to compete every game. You want to win every game. But coming into the year saying, well, this is a building block year where I think they're going to be solid. I think they'll be, then all of a sudden they're playing good. Wow. Yeah, wait a second. We could, we could be a six seed, a five seed. Well, you know, they, they got to kind of regroup again. I just love the ability of Sean Marks, his group, his staff, his scouts, when they get opportunities to make decisions on basketball players, man. That, that's what I want them to do. So you're saying to me, wait, oh, who's the next great guy out there? No, I just want them to keep making great decisions. Uh, no better example than Lonnie Walker. You know, are you kidding me? And did you ever see him do anything out there that looks like, oh, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing? No, yeah. he looks like he knows what he's doing every time. Hmm. And then he can take it to the basket, his pull-up game, uh, deep threes, confidence just oozes from him uh you know Watford I mean you're, you're saying oh we got a we got a, a guy that can play the four well he's playing a point the other night for, for about 20 minutes well I think I'm out for a long stretch is a time he, he's a good player good basketball player Dennis Smith Jr you talked about before you know Steve Clifford he's, I only know like one NBA coach well and that's Steve Clifford from the Charlotte Hornets mm. and he loved him loved him and it was all for this defensive mentality and you know he's shooting upper 30s from three so far so i mean you think well he he's a good player but he can't shoot well, he's shooting pretty good right now so you got to get him back i i just think uh i got off on a little tangent here but this is what i love a, like if you're a fan of this organization this is why you can hang through anything right now mm -hmm. because you know it's the intelligence or the evaluation and the decisions that build that can build a roster are, are with this organization. I think fans often, I think sometimes it goes, you know, for granted fans think, Oh, you got a first round pick. You got this chance. Like people, I don't have the exact number, but the hit rate on those picks in the twenties, it's not very high. And, you know, for Sean Marks to be able to go over all these years, it's something I've always said to be able to go get guys like Karis LeBert, Jared Allen, now a Cam Thomas, even Dayron Sharp, who's had a slow Nick start. Claxton. Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton is the second, you know, first pick of the second round. And then you talk about guys like 
Joe Harris, Spencer Dimwitty, picking them up from the G League, finding now guys like Watford and guys on the minimum. It's like around the margins, I think that he's done as good a job as you could reasonably yeah. expect any person to do. And then they got, you know, they got KD, they got Kyrie, they made the move for Harden in the door. There were some, you know, outside circumstances, some things that didn't work out. You know, you can argue that however you want to, but the just the talent evaluation, like you said, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to and building up a base of where you get enticing enough to be able to go get that big fish. And I think that Sean Marks has really shown, you know, through that first stint with that fun 18, 19 team that he was able to do that. And now is showing, you know, another good sample size of finding overlooked talent and being able to identify that. So I think that's really exciting. And I just want to wrap this up with, you know, you're a guy who's been around the nets for so long and, you know, have so much experience. Want to just do a little, Stroll down memory lane. So I'm going to give you a name and I want you just to give me the first thing that pops into your head. Wow. Wow. This could be, anybody who's a psychiatrist out there, this could be interesting. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to, first off, got to leave it, leave it off with Jason Kidd. Uh, greatest leader, greatest uh, favorite athlete of all time. Quick, right there. I got favorite athlete. When he, I now I got to expound because you got me fired up right now. <laughs> when he had a look in his eye, it not only meant that he would play at a higher level, it meant that everybody in your, everybody on the floor and everybody on the bench and everybody in you, it was different. When he was fired up and had that look, it was so inspirational to watch a guy like that take over a game or be able to take over the game the way he would do in such unique ways because it wasn't necessarily that he was going to score. He was going to, he was going to defend it and, oh, man, what he dig in. He was going to set up somebody on a perfect play. But then they would come back on defense and see that look in his eyes, and they knew they better play. Favorite athlete of all time, and it's not even close. Two, Vince Carter, guy's going to be joining on the Yes broadcast somewhat this year. Yeah, wonderful talent. What, uh, not wonderful. One of the great talents of all time and uh, changed Canadian – Canada now is a basketball hotbed, and I think the biggest reason why is Vince Carter. Three, a guy, you know, not a Nets player, but a little bit of missed opportunity, Nets historically, and a guy who came back to bite them in the finals, Kobe Bryant. Uh, greatest uh, compete level, compete, winner, compete. Uh, that's the separation, right? And you say, well, who's the greatest player of all time? Boom, boom, this guy or that guy. It's that inner thing that Jordan had, that Kobe had that takes them to another level. That's is why, again, you know, you like the guys that show up every night and are ready to go and they're pumped up to go. And uh, again, he had that look and that determination and the work ethic uh, that was incredible. Or getting a little bit more recent now, Kevin Durant. Talent, talent, just incredible talent. Every time he shot, I thought it was going in. Yeah. Um, and got to leave it off with the man. And I think a good way to end the episode, Chris Carino. Uh, the most talented, most inspirational person I've ever known in my life. I've ever known. Uh, it's, and I want to start with the first thing. I've never been around somebody this talented. When I go, when he broadcasts the game, it is the most unbelievable thing you ever see. I, ask, I oftentimes ask people to sit with a headset and please, and I want you to also, because uh, I think you'd get a big, the, the 
ease and the smoothness with which he can broadcast an uh, an event, and he's he's great on TV, but he's like he's like you know he does it every 10, 20 games. Mm-hmm. But it is like an artist working when you watch him broadcast uh, a basketball or a football or a baseball. He is absolutely the most talented person. And then when he doesn't, and when he interviews, so he's a great interviewer. And we talked about this before that what you're doing right now is not easy. Like I'm, I'm I got some strengths in my game that interviewing and being smooth and conversational is not easy. He is in, in the most talented uh, uh, person I've ever been around in anything in any fact. Now, as far as inspiration, I think everybody knows his story. Uh, everybody knows his story, but so like we all have tough days, right? Like we all have days that we feel like crap and we don't feel good, but I'm fortunate enough to be around a person all the time. Just came off the road that has such, it's so, it's not easy for him every day, but he has a thing on his phone called be relentless. And that's what the Nets theme is this year, which is wild because he's always had it on his phone. Be relentless because Brooklyn and B and be relentless. Man, this guy is relentless. If you saw his daily routine, that we all the things we take for granted, right? Getting dressed, right? He starts early to get dressed. Let me tell you that. God, make every detail. Uh, it's just uh, getting up, down the plane. This it doesn't stop him, and he does, and he's relentless. And he's his toughness. And I didn't expect you to ask me this, but I I I bring his I didn't think that would be the final name, but you would be blown away by his talent. And there's nothing more inspirational than watching him live his life because it's hard. It's not kind of hard, it's really hard, but it never keeps him from doing what he uh wants to do. Or he and then also to his credit. He does it so often with us that we don't think of him as having a a handicap, you know, like, you know, like, like we all have to help him get out of the chair, you know, like in, uh, off the plane. We have to, we different guys team up to lift him up. And we, and, we, and like, it's kind of like, we just do it and we do it. And it's not even like, you know, like, you know, like guys from the Yes Network, Ian Riley, Ryan Rutherford. They, these are all guys that fly in the play. They all just grab them because because then it, it all becomes kind of fun. You know, like we got to give Capper load management. He can't handle these this amount of lifts. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And then Chris goes, ah, you know, lifting all that was rough. You know, saying, ah, oh, yeah, they, you guys throwing me a beating, you know, and stuff like that. It, it's 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 unbelievable. I go on forever. And ever, but it is the talent and the inspiration I get on a down. I'm a lucky guy to be able to be around Chris Carino all the time. That's all I can say. Yeah, I th- I, there wasn't a better person, you know, to ask about Chris, who's one of the best in the business. And I think you said, you know, it doesn't stop him from doing what, you know, he wants to do, loves to do. And I would, has always been so amazing to me is not only does it not stop him from doing it, it doesn't stop him from doing it at the highest level in the business. Oh, oh is- like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. How many he's featured in communication classes all over the country. Young brother, all these new guys, there's a couple guys in the NBA right now. They come up and they go like, 
you know how like you studied like the great philosophers and the great uh you know uh, you know i don't know writers of all, all time and the great mathematicians they go yes in class we studied carino we 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 worked on the carino it's almost like the carino method the yeah. carino method it's almost like it's a it's a style of it's not a style it's a a way to do the game in the most professional manner that young broadcasters are breaking into the NBA right now and saying, we all listened to you. We all had your tapes. This is how we went about learning how to be a broadcaster, listening to you. If you listen to his game, not basketball, or we don't, he does not, he does national football every week too. And he's the top good You know, he's on the top of that. They give him whatever game he wants. And the details, the smoothness, how you never miss a thing, how he's smooth in the beginning of the game, but in the late, but if then, if you listen to the different cadence and the rhythm late in the game, I'm like mesmerized all the time. It is a pink. It is a picture being painted by one of the great artists of our time. Perfectly put. And, you know, as somebody who grew up watching the Nets broadcast and now has been, had the pleasure of being around all you guys from the yes broadcast to the radio broadcast. I always say that, Nets fans are the luckiest fans in all of sports to be able to enjoy something like that. And, you know, you're obviously a huge part of that and a great basketball mind. So just a real pleasure to have you on the show, man, and to let the fans hear your analysis. I think everybody enjoyed it on the broadcast on Wednesday, on the radio, every game. And to hear it now is really special. So I really appreciate you for joining me. Big fan of yours, Eric, man. If you're a stock, I'd buy buy money and I'd I'd buy a whole bunch of them right now, man. You are a rising star. I appreciate that, man. You know, hopefully we see some good Nets basketball coming up with a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday, and I'm sure that we'll talk soon. Great. That does it for this episode of Believe in Nets on the Believe Podcast Network, your one-stop shop for everything happening across the sports and entertainment world. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Capper. Tim's one of the best in the business. If you enjoy the show, leave a review, like, subscribe, smash that like button on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube with videos every week. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. You can find all my work on ClutchPoints.com. You can also find constant news updates analysis on my Twitter at Eric Slater underscore. Got a big home stretch coming up, five games in eight nights, I think, all at home for the Nets coming up this week. Hopefully have some good basketball and i am have more coverage of it as always. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.